Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. brought a Bible with you um, or you have a Bible app on your mobile phone, please turn with me to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter number one. And um, if you don't have a Bible with you, you're welcome to grab one of the ones that are there in front of the seat, in the, in the seat in front of you. So anyway, my name is uh, Sherman and not only am I the, the Everest uh, v, uh, VBS uh, camp host, I'm also the pastor here. And uh, I just want you to know that we are excited and blessed that you are here with us today. And uh, it's been a privilege to minister to these kids all week long. And it's certainly a privilege to have you here with us today. And uh, I hope that that, that your experience, you know, that you experience God in a brand new way today and that you leave here this morning uh, blessed because you were here. And so uh, and so today we're actually kicking off a brand new series um, uh, titled Parenting Fail, which is subtitled what we what what to do when we miss the mark. And and the reason why uh, we're actually in this series is is if you're a parent, at least for just one day. You've probably made a mistake or two, okay? Because the fact of the matter is, is all of us parents, we, we fall short. And in fact, if you're a parent, you absolutely know that. And, and if you are a child or a teenager, um, you also know that too, that, that parents sometimes make mistakes. And, and if you're a grown-up and, and you don't have children of your own, you know, you can probably attest to the fact that your parents have probably made some mistakes as well while you were growing up. And because of that, um, the truth is... Uh, being a parent is hard, okay? Sometimes it's really hard work. I mean, it's fraught with challenges, and it requires us to make really, really tough choices, and it requires us to make choices in a moment that have lasting consequences. And being a parent is also stressful too, right? Uh, I mean, you know, we love our kids, and we want what's best for them, and, and whether they're toddlers or whether they're grown-ups, you know, we still love them and worry about them, and we think about them, and you know, and, uh, and we worry about if they're going to be okay. And we worry, you know, are they going to make good choices? Will they do the right things? Will they be physically and emotionally and spiritually healthy? You know, will they be okay on a trip that they're going to take? Or will they make it home safe? And are they all right hanging out with that particular group of people? There are lots and lots of things that worry parents. And there are lots of things that weigh us down. And there are lots of things that keep us up at night. But there's really kind of one big question, I think, that all parents kind of wrestle with. It's one question I think at every point, I mean, that every parent at some point in their life uh, wrestles with. It's a question that, that I think plagues us and a question that, that a lot of us stress about. And it's a question that uh, I think that if you're a parent, you know, if you're a parent, I think you've had to ask yourself at, le- uh, at least one time this question. And the question is this a- Am I and what I'm doing, am I just messing up my child? I mean, how many parents have ever thought that, ever, ever asked that question? Yeah, absolutely. If you're a parent, you have thought that question. Am I messing them up mentally? Am I messing them up emotionally? I mean, and what I'm, what I'm doing, am I, like, you know, creating a monster with my child? Um, I, mean, how many, I mean, how many parents have, have actually, like, stayed up awake, you know, thinking about this question? Because I know I have. Yes, exactly. You know, am I messing up my kids? Well, the reality is, is I think we all do because I think we love our kids. And, and, and this question, you know, what are we doing as a parent? You know, am I making the right decisions? Am I being too tough? Am I being too soft? Should I let him go to this thing? Should I let her go to that thing? Should I let them make their own decision on this? Am I overreacting here? Am I just being overbearing? Well, that's just part of being a parent. That's just part of what, it, what the job entails. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard to know what to do. And so being a parent is, is hard and it's stressful and it's complicated and it's overwhelming at times. Um, but, it, but it's completely worthwhile. 
being, being a parent is completely worth all the, the pain and the stress and the aggravation because it's our opportunity really to invest in the people, you know, and in, in the lives of people that we really, really love. To watch them grow up from a baby to a toddler to elementary school to, uh, to a teenager, heaven help us, and then into an adult, you know, um, it's completely worthwhile. And, and there are a few things in life that actually compare with the joy of actually watching your kids grow up. And, um, and I know for a fact, because I have two adult children, I have three preteen children, and I have one grandchild. And so being a parent, I know, is, is completely worthwhile. And so I just want you to know right up front, the focus of this series isn't to, uh, to beat anyone up right? It's not to make anybody feel bad about what you're doing as a parent. I mean, we certainly all will make some mistakes and there's some common areas where we, we tend to, to fall short, but this isn't, you know, a spirit of like, look what you're doing wrong. Rather, this is actually where we're going to take a look at, you know, some common areas that we all parents tend to kind of bump our heads and, and, and areas that we kind of get ourselves into trouble and, and, and areas that we tend to make mistakes. And then what we're going to do is we're going to actually look at what God has to say in his word about these areas, and then hopefully we're going to come up with some very practical, real-world kind of ways to apply these truths to our lives so we can grow and become the parents that our, our kids you know, really deserve. Now, you might think to yourself right now, well, wait a minute, I don't have kids, right? In fact, I'm just a kid myself, right? You know? Or you might think, well, hey, I don't have kids, I don't ever plan to have kids, all right? So can I just skip the next couple of weeks? No. Just, just so we answer that. No. Um, actually, the, the truth is what we're going to talk about today actually has a universal application. What we're going to talk about today actually can be applied universally. And what I mean by this is we're going we're gonna to talk about our relationships with our kids. And, and, and we're going to also talk about our relationships with our young kids and older kids. But also these, these, uh, these principles you know, that we're going to learn today can actually apply to other relationships as well. You can use these principles with your parents. You can use these principles with your friends. You might even find that these principles are useful in the way that you deal with your coworkers because they're universal. They're universal truths. I mean, you might even, we might be talking about application in, in I mean, uh, parenting, but there's application for everybody, especially, especially what we're going to talk about today. He said today is kind of like the foundation of this entire series. And, we're, and what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to build off of what we're talking about here this morning. And so it's really actually good for you to be here. And so today, if, if what you hear resonates with you, if, if it actually connects with you, and you have a friend or a loved one, you think, man, we will, they just need to hear this. Well, then what you can do is you can either send them to our SoundCloud page or our church website. Because what we're going to do is we're going to upload every single one of these messages in this series to the Internet. And you can send your friends to the SoundCloud page or, like I said, the website, and they can benefit from what we're talking about here today. And, and, and the web address, just for your convenience, is located in your bulletin there. Okay, so today is like the foundation of everything we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. And the reason for that is because what we're going to talk about today, I think, is probably one of the biggest, you know, struggles that parents face. In fact, I think that parents have always struggled with this one particular issue. In fact, nearly 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, beginning in verse 1, he says this. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay? That's a promise from God that children, if you will obey your parents, it's a promise from God that God will bless you. Okay? And then it says in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I'm just going to take my card.
cards. I'm just going to lay them right out here on the table this morning. And I'm going to say one of the biggest issues that we struggle with as parents is the issue of balance. Okay? And, and we see it right here in this text. It says, on one hand, to discipline our children. And then on the other hand, it says to, uh, you know, to not provoke them to anger, which actually means don't discourage them. Okay? Make sure that you discipline your children. Make sure they behave. Make sure they mind. Make sure they do the right thing. But also, on the other hand, don't discourage them. Don't crush their spirit. Don't make them feel like idiots. Don't make them feel like failures. You want to discipline your children, but you don't want to discourage them. And from the outside, it seems like reasonable advice to us. But the truth is most parents struggle with this kind of balance in how we discipline our kids and how we raise our kids. I mean, we as parents struggle with balance in lots of areas. We struggle to balance our finances. We struggle to, to balance our relationships. We struggle to balance our, our, our work life. We, we struggle to, to balance our priorities. And we struggle balancing how we handle raising and disciplining our kids. And, and here's what I mean. You know, um, you have some parents who tend to be the authoritarian figure when it comes to their kids, okay? That's like my, like my dad, okay? The authoritarian is someone whose word is the absolute law, right? There's no middle ground. They are the boss, and they are always, always, always on top of it, okay? And they can go from calm and happy and smiling, you know, to stone-faced anger just like that in a matter of seconds, all right? I mean, we all kind of know the type, all right? And then on the other hand, you have the parents who are the polar opposite of that, what we call the tender heart, all right? They're gentle and they're patient and no matter what their child's doing, they're always trying to reason with their child. They won't actually force their child to submit to their authority as a parent. The parents are always trying to reason with this three-year-old who's already figured out mom and dad's not going to do anything to me. So they can't stop them. And so I'm going to do what I want to do. Right? And we've seen it before, especially in restaurants, in the kid, like, in the booth next to us who's, like, just losing his mind. And, and mom and dad are just like, okay, come on, settle down. And then somewhere in the distance you hear someone say, if you don't spank that kid, I will. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we've all, we've all been there. Okay? And, and so somewhere, you know, on the one hand, you have the authoritarian, you know, the, 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 the tough parent. And on the other hand, you have the tender heart, the, 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 the soft parent. And, and the thing is, most parents will actually fall on one side of this line or the other. Almost all parents will fall on one side or the other. They either are the authoritarian type or they're going to be the tender-hearted type. Me, my natural tendency is to be the authoritarian. It's of just the way I've always been. In fact, when Kim and I first, you know, met and, we, and she was, you know, contemplating, can I, you know, spend the rest of my life with this guy? One of the things that worried her, one of the things that really worried her was how I, how tough I was on my older two kids. I mean, she saw that. And, and, and so everything was yes, sir, and yes, ma'am with, with, with my older two kids. And my kids, you know, had to keep their stuff exactly a certain way. Otherwise, I'd go in their room and it would be just like turned upside down like that, you know. Um, and, and they never talked back to me. They never questioned me. They never even looked like sideways at me because, because I didn't give them like the tiniest ounce of wiggle room as a parent. And that really caused Kim to, to worry about that. Now, Kim, on the other hand, her natural tendency is to be the tender heart. Her natural tendency is to support and nurture, right? She wants the kids to behave for sure, but she doesn't want to hurt their feelings unnecessarily. She worries, you know, about whether or not that she's, she's being too tough. She's the type of parent that, that struggles with actually grounding the kids for any length of time because she just feels that compassion for them, okay? And most parents, like I said, fall on either side of this line. And what makes this really tricky is that parents end up marrying someone that's the opposite end of the spectrum, like, like me, okay? And, and, and we tend to be on the opposite sides, and sometimes that can really create some conflict at home. 
And what makes it even more difficult is oftentimes parents will, will overcompensate. They will overcompensate for what their spouse is doing, you know, because, you know, because uh, they, they overcompensate for those natural tendencies, and so the pendulum can swing inside the household from one side to the next. You have the authoritarian who feels like, man, you know, he or she has to be the boss. They have to be, they have to be extra tough because the other parent is being so soft. Right? And then you have the, the tender heart who feels like, man, I gotta be the buffer between my kids and the other parent, right? That that, that they're that they have to like kind of manage that extreme in, in behaviors and so they're trying to balance each other out. And I think we all know parents who, who have these struggles and in, in, in work like this. And what makes things even more complicated than that is parents sometimes as we grow older and as we grow up a little bit more, sometimes we, we move up and down on that scale somewhere. All right? And, and, and sometimes the authoritarian gets a little softer. Sometimes, you know, the uh, tender-hearted one gets, a, you know, gets sick and tired of being run over by their kids, and finally they get fed up and they toughen up a little bit. And sometimes parents even will switch sides on the scale. In fact, you know, Sherman, he's even like, he'll be the first to tell you. He says, he says it to me all the time, that, that I've gotten softer as I've gotten older. He says, like, Dad, you wouldn't put up with that. If that was me, you wouldn't put up with that from me, but, but you're putting up with that from these other kids. Because he knows that, like, as time has gone on, I've changed a little bit. All right? And, and, and the fact remains, though, is that most parents still end up, no matter whether you switch sides of the scale, you know, whether you move around, you know, whether you're compensating for someone else, you, we tend to fall on one side of this scale or the other. One extreme or the other. Either we're hard or we're soft. Either we're tough or we're permissive. Either we're firm or we're encouraging. Either we're authoritarian or we are tender-hearted. Okay? And this right here is where we parents miss the mark. This is where we miss the mark the most, I think, as, as parents, because we tend to be one way or the other. We either are stingy with grace, or we end up being afraid to discipline our kids. And, and uh, the truth is, the mark is actually dead center between those two. You see, it's, about being, it's not about being one or the other. It's about being both. It's about being both hard and soft. It's about both being firm and encouraging. It's about being tough and permissive. It's about being a tender-hearted authoritarian. I'm just going to coin the phrase today, all right? Okay. It's about being a tender-hearted authoritarian. Now, that might sound strange to you, and that might seem like a contradiction in terms, but that is exactly what we need to be as parents. And that's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He's saying, don't crush their spirit. But at the same time, he says, you still need to discipline and instruct your kids. You still need to correct them and rebuke them sometimes. He's saying, you need to do both. You need to be tough but encouraging. You need to, be, you need to balance the authoritative side and the tender-hearted side. Now, again, this might sound really strange, because, but, but that's exactly what our kids need. That's exactly what our children need from us. Because guess what? That's exactly what we need. That's exactly what we need in our lives. In fact, that is exactly why God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1. And if you're not a Bible person, John is in the New Testament. It's, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. So John, chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 14. But before we read that, let me just set this up for you. Okay? This is like the opening chapter in John's gospel. And he is an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. And so he writes this gospel specifically to give people his eyewitness testimony of what he actually saw with his own eyes. The life and the work of Jesus. And in the first verse, John makes this gigantic declaration about who Jesus is. 
He says in verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we know from the context in this passage, and as we're going to see in a second, John is talking about the Word. And when he's talking about the Word, he is talking about Jesus. All right? He's not talking about the written Word. He's talking about the living Word, Jesus Christ. John declares in the opening statement that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was uh, with God. That's Jesus was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was in fact God. This is, this is a huge statement that John makes about who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Now, in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh. Okay? Jesus, the Word, became flesh. God Himself became a man. Okay? The Word became flesh. God came to earth as a man, as Jesus Christ. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory as the one and only Son of the Father. And what he's saying here is not only did Jesus become flesh, not only did God come to the earth, but He dwelt with us. He lived with us. We saw Him. All right? We lived with Him. We were with Him three and a half years. We saw His glory. We know exactly who He was. And so John is saying, we're witnesses of that. All right? John continues to say, and says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full, this is the important word right here, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to the earth, and He was full to overflowing, is the idea of this, this word full here, of two things, grace and truth. You see, Jesus came to rescue us and to restore us and put us back into right standing with God himself. He came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And and he was exactly what we needed. He was full of both grace and full of truth. 100% filled up with grace and truth. Let me just tell you what this means. You see, grace is, I love you. I accept you. Just like you are. You're forgiven. Come here and, and let me make it better. Truth is, you've fallen short. You still need to grow. You know, you need some discipline. Discipline will do you good. The truth is, I'm disappointed in you. You see, grace is the equivalent of the tender-hearted parents, okay? Grace says, I don't want to crush your spirit. Grace says, I want to comfort you. Grace says, I understand when you fall down. Truth, on the other hand, is the equivalent of the authoritative parents, Truth says that there are consequences to your actions. Truth says that you need to be responsible for your actions. Truth says you need to grow still. Truth says you need to to work on that. You see, Jesus was both full of these. He was full to the brim of grace and truth. He embodied both of these. He was both tenderhearted and he was also authoritative. Now this right here, this is probably news to some people. In fact... You know, if you've been around church or you've been around Christians before, uh, you've probably experienced Christians who tend to focus on one side or the other. The church, like parents, tends to focus on authority and truth, right? And then the church, like parents, will tend to focus on grace and being tenderhearted, right? It seems like the church, like with parents, we either want to be one or the other. And it seems almost impossible to reconcile the two together. But that's exactly what we see In the Word of God, we see Jesus, God in the flesh, our Redeemer Himself, is our example of both of these, grace and truth, being the authority, but also being tenderhearted. In fact, in in some strange way, he's 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 the prime example 
of what I'm talking about. In fact, here's a, here's a story that, 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 that exemplifies this. It says, uh, early in the morning, he came again to the temple. So Jesus, John's talking about Jesus here. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Now, you have to understand that this is a trap, okay? Because if Jesus says she doesn't deserve to be punished, then he is at odds with the law of Moses that was given by God, which would make him a false teacher. That means he's not the Messiah and that he was definitely not God in the flesh. Because the law of Moses was very clear about this. The prescription for, for adultery was, was death. It was death by stoning. But if he says, go ahead and stone her and kill her, then Jesus is proving he is really no friend of the sinner. You know, and all his talk about bringing sinners to repentance is actually just talk. It's just gibberish. And so they think, these people think that they've cornered Jesus or they've trapped him. In fact, in verse 6 it says, This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. But then, it says, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, let me just share with you the essence of what Jesus did here in this story demonstrated in his life and his actions in that very moment he lived out the idea of being grace and truth you see when he tells her neither do i condemn you jesus is sharing with her grace but notice he doesn't leave it there okay he doesn't just say now you can go and be free and do whatever you want to do in fact it's not really a big deal what you're doing in fact two thousand years from now no one's even going to care about adultery anymore okay he doesn't say that he says to her go and sin no more. You see, he tells her the truth. He tells her, what you did is a sin. You deserve to be punished. Alright? You don't know it yet, but actually I'm going to make a way for you to escape that punishment. You have to trust in me though. But it's not okay. So from now on, go and sin no more. See, Jesus in that moment demonstrated both grace and truth. I don't condemn you, he says. But he then says, don't do it again, is what he emphasizes. You see, right here, this is the truth about Jesus that so many people miss, and this is the truth that so much of the, of the church misses. The foundational truth about Jesus is, is not just that he's, it's not that he's just full of grace, but he is also full of truth, and vice versa. Jesus is the perfect balance of both grace and truth. Jesus is the prototypical, tender-hearted authoritarian. Okay? He is both grace and truth. And Jesus who said, love your enemies, the same Jesus said, love your enemies, is the same Jesus in his fury storms into the temple with a whip and he drives out the merchants and he overturns the tables and throws the money all over the floor. Now the same Jesus who rebukes Peter and calls, it says to him, get behind me, Satan, is the same Jesus who restores Peter as a leader after Jesus, I mean, after Peter denied him three times. 
The same Jesus who gently calls people to him to find rest is the same Jesus who called people hypocrites and vipers and snakes. The same Jesus, you know, who, who talks about heaven and forgiveness is the same, you know, Jesus that talks about judgment and hell. You see, Jesus is the perfect balance between the two essential attributes of God's nature, grace and truth. You see, God is both love, but he is also holy. He is the epitome of what love is, but at the exact same moment, in the exact same time, he is completely holy. Okay? He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. But because he's holy, he also expects us to turn away from our sin and turn towards him in obedience. Jesus is the perfect example of that. Completely full of love, completely full of grace, completely full of love, completely being holy. And as a church, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be full of love, but at the same time holy. And as, and as people made in the image of God, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be completely loving, but at the same time seeking to live in holiness. And as a parent, this is where we miss the mark. Because we fail to seek to live in that balance that God has created us to live in. Because we think that we need it for it to be one way or the other, just like the church does. We think that we need to be the drill sergeant, or we need to be the comforter. We think that we need to be tough and, and, and firm, or soft and understanding. But let me just tell you what, what the truth. We need to be both. On the one hand, the church thinks that it needs to be loving and accepting of everyone. And on the other hand, other churches believe that it needs to, to warn everyone about the coming judgment and the wrath of God against sin. But the truth is the church needs to be both. We need to be both. And as parents, we need to be both. We need to be the authoritarian and tenderhearted. We need to avoid falling on one side or the other. We need to be both full of grace and full of truth just like Jesus was. So absolutely discipline your children. But never do it in a way that destroys their spirit. Just like Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So absolutely comfort your kids and nurture that relationship you, with, you have with them. But never fail to hold them accountable for their actions. We must be both grace and truth. Yeah, I love you. Yes, I forgive you. But you're still grounded. Okay? I know that you made a big mistake, and I'm telling you there's going to be consequences to your actions. But guess what? I don't condemn you. Right? I understand where you're coming from. I love you. Just don't ever do that again. Right? We must be both grace and truth as the church, as individuals, you know, towards the rest of the world, and we need to be that as parents as well. Now, I'm going to be honest. I realize that this is much easier said than done. Okay? I mean, remember, I'm a parent too, so I completely understand what this is about. This is so much easier to talk about than to do, but wouldn't it be worth it to shoot for this balance? I mean, just imagine just for a real quick second. How does your relationship change with your children if you live this out? I mean, how would your relationship have changed with your own parents if, you, if they would have lived this out? And think about some of those parents you know that have kids. How would their relationship with their kids change if they were to live that out? This has the power right here to change families wholesale. This has the power to change the entire community that we live in. Because... This has the power to help create children who grow up healthy and confident, respectable, responsible members of the community. Now, again, I'm going to tell you, I know it's hard. I know what it's like for a fact 
to have your child to work your last nerve, right? Right? And, and you're just like, in one more second, I'm gonna I'm gonna strangle somebody, right? Yeah, I know, I, I get it. I also know what it's like to have a really great day or a great week, you know. And you just don't want to ruin that 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 vibe because your kid's acting up, you know. And so you kind of let certain things slide. I know what it's like to be that way. I know what it's like to want to shout and scream and swat rear ends and ask questions later. And I also know what it's like to beg my child, please just behave, you know, so I don't have to turn all psycho dead on you, okay? I just want my kid, I just want to be nice to my kids. I get it. I know that it's tough. But this right here, this is worth striving for. This right here is worth our very best effort. Our children are important enough and worthwhile enough for us to work at this. And so you might think, okay, well, all right, you've convinced me. I know I need to do this. But... But how? How do, I, how do I do that? How do I live, you know, being full of grace and truth with my kids? How do I become a tender-hearted authoritarian? Well, the best way to do this is you need to look to the one who can teach you to do this, and that's Jesus Christ. Okay? Jesus, as we've seen from, from the Bible, is the, the perfect example of this. And he's willing to teach you and he's willing to help you to grow in this. But you need to do two foundational things. Okay? There's two things that you need to do... Um, uh, in, in this, this direction. First thing you need to do is, um, you know, if you're going to learn anything from Jesus, you need to have a relationship with him. Which means you actually have to, like, know him and, and place your hope and your trust in him. You need to make him your savior. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you haven't already done that, then you need to take care of that right now. In fact, you need to handle that today. If you've not received Jesus as your savior and received the gift of eternal life, then you need to do that today. In fact, let's all bow our heads right now. Let's just, just take a moment and bow our heads. And if you have not actually come into a relationship with Jesus and you haven't already made him your Lord and Savior, then you can do that today. Okay? In fact, if, if, if you haven't come into a relationship with Jesus yet, will you raise your hand? If you're ready to actually have Jesus to be your Savior today. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm broken. And I'm a sinner. And I realize that there's nothing I can do without you. And I realize I can't fix it on my own. I can't be the man that you want me to be on my own. I can't cover up my sin on my own. I realize that I stand in, in, in condemnation and judgment because of my sin. But I trust you as my Savior. I, I believe that Jesus came to pay the penalty of my sin. And I declare him to be the Lord of my life. I believe that he came full of grace and truth. And I just want to accept both of those. I want to walk in the grace that you've forgiven me and the truth that will cause me to grow and be the man you want me to be and the woman that you want me to be. I pray, Father, that you would help me to, to know you more each and every day. I thank you for sending Jesus into my heart. And I pray, Father, that you would send the Holy Spirit to, to, to guide me and, and teach me all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. Now, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the second thing you need to do in order to learn from him it's really, really simple. You just need to spend time with You know, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you, you know, become full of grace and truth. You spend time with a person who can teach you how to do that. And the way that you do that is through communication. It's actually having a conversation. It's spending time in conversation. The way we communicate with God is that we read God's word and we pray. Okay? God's word is how we listen to God. And, and, and if we will do that, we'll learn all about Jesus. And prayer is how we talk back to God. It's how we communicate with Him, you know, what we think and what, we, what our needs are, and we, and we can express our heart to Him. 
It is, it is in our Bible reading that we get to know who God is and we get to know all about what He expects from us. And it's in our Bible time that we get to see the full personality and the character of Jesus, not just part of the picture like the world wants to paint for us. We get to see the full personality of Jesus and it comes alive. And in our time reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit will open our heart so that the truth of God's Word will change us. And then in our, t- our prayer time, that's where we get a chance to ask God, how can I as a parent exhibit both grace and truth in, in the lives of my kids? How can I be t- loving yet tough? How, how, Lord, can I deal with these things that my kids are going through? How can I be strong, Lord? Lord, help me be patient because I'm about ready to knock this kid's head off. I mean, that's a good thing to pray for. Lord, help me to be the authoritarian, but also yet tenderhearted. Let me, help me to be, be both grace and truth with my kids. Help me to teach them to do the same for others as well. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's about exercising that relationship. And so your take-home this week, your, your homework, if you will, is to spend some time with God you know, this week and focus on your parenting. And uh, if you're not a parent, spend some time this week then and focus on being a better child to your parents. And, and, or you can be just focus on being a better friend or maybe even a better co-worker, full of grace and truth. In either case, your homework is to read John chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 6. Read both of those chapters and spend about 10 minutes with God and, and, and pray about what you normally pray for. Pray for your families and all that other stuff, but then take a moment and ask God, open my, the eyes of my heart so I can see and understand the truth of what I'm reading. And if you find yourself in a situation where you need to deal with your children, one way or the other, if you just want to just go hard or want to go soft, in that moment, just take a moment and pray. God, would you guide me and fill me up with grace and truth? And remember, Jesus is full of grace and truth. And because of that, then, as a church and as individuals and as parents, we need to strive to also. So let me pray for you. Lord God, we just thank you for, for your word. And we thank you for the gift of children. And we thank you, Lord God, for that, that you love us so much that you left for us a witness to be able to, to, to follow after. And I just pray, Lord, all of us would be inspired and, and strengthened to, to grow in our, in our faith in you and, and that we would want to walk in that wisdom. And, Lord, I just pray for our kids. I pray, Lord God, that they would grow up and, and be people full of grace and truth as well. And I pray, Lord God, for, for this congregation that you would just continue to bless and protect them and, and meet all their needs emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And I pray for those who are not here. And I pray that you'd raise up in this congregation of people who love you and are passionate about you and would go out into the world and share the hope and the healing of Jesus. We thank you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.